Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, that's right. We don't do that. Yeah. I keep forgetting. <laughs> Tom Bernard Show with Tevin Pittman, Andy Rapp Bernard, Cassie Schrader, and a holdover from Roy Seekoff. I cannot wait to talk to him about many, many different things. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Ooh, there you go. We are back on the Tom Bernard Show. Tevin Pittman is here enough. Do you mind if I tell him that story? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's wonderful. Roy, you're still with us, I hope. I'm here, man. Good. I want to tell a story. I, I, I was out of town for the weekend. We went up north to the cat to stay at some friends' cabins, play a little golf, and just kind of hang out and have a wonderful time. And I didn't take my phone with me. 
So uh, Tevin Pittman is on the show today. He's a black man in America today. That's the best way to describe him. Yeah. It's kind of a hipster, kind of a hipster black guy. You should consider yourself a hipster. No, not at all. But I was very touched just now because I asked him a question. Because he apparently changed his phone number. And I didn't have my phone with me anyway. I have this message on there that says, Happy Father's Day from your black son. I I will tell you, I have my son here. (laughs) And Andy, my son, is here. He's the chief engineer. And I'm very proud of him. But I sincerely, Tevin, I would be proud to be your father. You're well, thank a, you. You're a great guy. I don't know how it happened. No, I don't know either. But Roy, I mean, seriously, it was very. Don't, you don't hear about things like that anymore, where where a young black man says to a, an older white guy, "Hey, happy Father's Day from your black son." I mean, I was. It was very. T- t- that was very sweet and very nice. I really liked it. No, it's very he, moving. Even if he meant it as a joke, I don't care. Oh, no. It was, uh, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I, he calls me his son all the time. I was like, I'll, I'll I shoot It's true. Up. Happy Father's what Day. What inspired it? What, what, what was happening yesterday that just sort of filled you with that emotion? And you said, I got to reach out to Tom and tell him Honestly, happy I don't know. Father's Day. I don't know. I was just I was sitting around, and I think I was like scrolling through social media or something, and somebody put like, "Oh, Father's Day for black people is like a." Oh God! We don't. It was more of a question, like, "Who's my father?" type of situation. Oh God! Oh, wonderful, lovely people, lovely, lovely people. So then I just like, yeah, started. I was like, "Oh, it's Father's Day," and then I was like, I reached out to my dad, and uh, then I was like, "Oh, I was going to send Tom a message. He'll get a kick out of this." I did. I, and I more than get a kick out of it, I was very touched by it because it was, it was a nice thing to do. It really was. I wish that everybody – and, Roy, it, by coincidence, why I asked you uh, to hold over and be on longer because I'm very impressed with the way you handle yourself as well. Now, I, I assume that you worked with Michael Moore and you worked with the uh, – well, you're the, the editor of the HuffPost. Yeah, um, worked very closely with Ariana. Yeah, right. I would assume that you tend to, politically to lean left. Is that true or not? Yeah, yeah, you that, do. That so, is true. But here's what I like, Roy. You don't care, um, and I don't care. Usually, when I see things like worked with Ariana Huffington and worked with Michael Moore, I'm like, oh God, I'm going to have to hear all about how this is political. You don't do that at all, which I'm. A, here's look, the thing. Here, yeah. Here's the thing, Tom. Yeah. We all have so many facets to our personalities. Yep. There are, I hope, yeah, you know, there's nothing more boring than going out to dinner with somebody who's a one-trick pony, and they oh, only God. care about one thing, oh. right? What, whatever that thing is. And, you know, it's, like, so boring. And that's like people would always say, you know, in, in, in the t- some of the times of Huffers, they go, well, wait a minute. You have a, a politics section and an entertainment section, and you have all these different – and I go, yeah, don't you care about more than one thing? Yeah. You know, so – so for me, I'm, I try to live my life filled with passion and excitement yep. and enthusiasm yep. about many things. So, you know, so I really care about a lot of things. I care about politics, but I also care about movies. I'll argue about movies and books, and I love mm-hmm. sports. I'll, I love to talk about that. I, I like to talk about uh, sex, as you can tell from my book. But there's many <laughs> aspects yes. to, our, to our personality, you know, health, many things, food. And I, if it was just one thing, I, I think I would have to kill myself. 
No, right? I and couldn't, so, couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. It's yeah. not all about one thing. Calm down. Right. I agree. Exactly. So that's my thing. If you, uh, you know, and especially I felt at this time, I really feel that the thing that I could do that would be most valuable would not be adding to the cacophony and the anger I and the vitriol. Yep. I felt that the thing that I could do may be better than most or many or at least for myself where I'm at is to be as funny as possible. And, and, and Tom, I mean, not to get too serious on you, but I think finding our shared humanity is the key to getting out of sort of many of the messes, not just within our country, but around the world. You know, it's always the same thing. It's like, if we, if we are always seeing us versus them, however you divide that, right? Whether it's politically, yep. whether yep. it's racially, whether it's, you know, uh, from which country you are, that's the source of all problems. Yep. <laughs> you know, and if we see that, oh my God, that person at their core wants the same thing that, I would say everybody wants. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, we want better, better lives for our children. We want to be happy. We want to be healthy. We want a nice place to live. You know, it's the, the kind of the basics. We all have that shared humanity. And for me, that's what I was trying to do with the book. I was trying to be funny, but in a way that made it relatable. And for people to go, oh, God, you know, I don't feel so alone. I don't feel, you know, lack of understanding. I feel connected. I feel a common humanity. And, you know... That's that's. That, by the way, I'm sure my PR people are going. Oh, great, Roy! That's freaking hysterical. Great way to set it up. They need to laugh a lot with that. Really no, good. I, good job selling your book, bro. I but, think people are going to pay you know. much more attention to your book. And by the way, the book is called "Lacks Self Control: True Stories." I waited until my parents died to tell. Roy Seekoff. It's S E K O F F. It's available on Amazon. Um, Here's an example of what I'm talking about. I, I, I talked about this. Uh, this show is a three-hour show, so I talked about it, I think, in the first hour, maybe early second hour. I saw a guy on TV over the weekend, and he was very angry that they're making Jurassic World. Uh, what is it called again? Jurassic World? Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom, yeah. He was very yeah. angry they're yeah. making this movie. And the reason he was angry they're making the movie, why, he, he said, why would you make a movie about creatures that never existed? I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, it's yeah. just painful. Well, well, that's the other side of the coin, Tom. Yes, The other it is, side of the right. coin is I, I, I love passion, and I love people who are passionate about things, but I don't like passionate idiots. Um, <laughs> yeah, the moron factor, yeah. You know, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, I know, let right? me tell you something about And you're like, oh, God, no, I don't care how excited you are about it, dude. I can't listen because, you know, you're just wildly misinformed, oh. uninformed, and, and uninteresting. So uh, that's, the, that's the only downside to my passion pursuit. Well, I will tell you, I grew up in a, in a Catholic family raised by our mother. My, my father was mentally ill. He was schizophrenic, so he was institutionalized. My mother raised all seven children by herself. And out of the seven children, Roy, this is a true story. We grew up very, very poor in the inner city. It's just how we grew up, right? Well, out of the seven children, two of them are very liberal. Two of them are very conservative. And the other three of us are kind of in the middle. So nobody Mm -hmm. hated one another or whatever. I mean, they might be arguing this, that, or the other thing. But my mother, who, who, by the way, loved JFK because he was the, the, fir- the first and only Catholic, Roman Catholic president, she loved that yeah. idea. She thought that was yeah. wonderful. sure. But uh, here's a woman who raised seven, seven kids, 
and they have three completely different viewpoints, which I admire her for doing. She did a good job. Well, you know what? I, I like, Tom, what you're saying about, you know, some of your perspective and some of your uh, sense of humanity and connectedness mm-hmm. comes from where you grew up. Yep. And I, I feel so lucky. I'm from Miami. And oh, um, I, Miami. I lived in L.A. for many, many years, but I grew up in Miami. And my high school was absolutely the quintessence, if I may use that word, mm-hmm. of the melting pot, right? So uh, I lived in a place called Coral Gables, Florida. Sure. Beautiful city. Yep. As a matter of fact, yep. that's the motto. It's called the city beautiful. <laughs> but but um, it drew – it was just centrally located, and it drew all these diverse groups, right? So from the north, there was sort of the – the, the new Cuban population that oh, was sort yeah. of around Calle Ocho. Oh, yeah. And then there was the African-American population that was situated in Coconut Grove. And then there was kind of the old money, waspy people who were in the <laughs> central part of Coral Gables. And then there was maybe the nouveau riche Jews who were down there in the southern part of Coral Gables. Right? Yep, yep. And it was this fantastic melting pot where I felt so blessed to have met so many different kinds yeah, of people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know... You go hang out at their house, and it's so different than yours, and you and you realize, A, there's a big world out there. B, it's kind of fantastic. C, the difference is the thing that makes it special and wonderful and delicious, right? Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. And I think that's that's what we need more of, not less of. Um, you know, and, and, and that's what I felt. I felt I was really blessed with that way. And my parents were super um, open and understanding and never very regimented about anything. And I ended up marrying um, a lovely Catholic girl from the Midwest. And, you know, so I'm sort of, I'm not religious, but I'm a cultural Jew from, you know, Miami, which is actually New York South, right? Yes, absolutely. But my parents are New York Jews moved down to Miami to get away from the cold. And uh, and I think that's just opened up. um, And one of the stories that I tell in the book is sort of a, a funny examination of cultural identity. Because when I grew up, um, I never really thought of myself as particularly Jewish. Um, my parents were not very religious. I mean, we were Jews, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but it wasn't like we didn't go to temple a lot. It wasn't a big part of our life. So I didn't right. really define right. myself that way. Yep. Um, and then I met this wonderful girl, and uh, I went back to visit her uh, uh, in Michigan. Uh, she was living out here, but we went back to visit her family. And suddenly, I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, a town not known for its Jewish population. No. And suddenly, I was the king of the Jews. <laughs> everybody was coming to me with questions about Jews. Everything, Jews this, and that. And I'm like, yeah. suddenly I became, and, and I, I titled the, the book, Jewy Jewison from Jewville. You know, that was the title of the story. It's like, I was a guy who didn't really see myself that way. And suddenly, now I was the spokesperson for all Jews. Right. I love it. And then then the capper is eventually that that lovely Catholic girl and I got married. We started a family and we moved to a neighborhood in L.A. that is populated largely by observant Jewish families. Really? Because it's near. Well, it's near temples. We didn't move there for that reason. We moved here because it's like very rare in L.A. to find tree lined streets, kind of like Ozzy and Harrietville, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But because they can walk, you know, uh, to the temples uh, on you know, after Shabbat, because they can't drive cars yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. from you know Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. So it's a very observant Jewish neighborhood. So suddenly we moved into this neighborhood, 
and I was not Jewish enough. Right? So <laughs> You can't win, Roy. Right? I can't win. Suddenly I'm the bad Jew. Suddenly I'm, you know, and kind of, I got to say, kind of ostracized. Oh, and yeah. treated, I feel, you know, not, not, not well, kind of rude. <laughs> you know, again, it became that not us, them. You know, we were out playing in the park one day, and I was pushing my son on a swing, and one of the kids went, you're uh, so-and-so's Christian friend, right? Oh, God. I was like, who told you that? Uh, obviously, your parents are talking, and they're saying those things. I said, you know, let me tell you something, punk. I was bombed in. So I was like, okay, get that straight. I know more Jew than you know. <laughs> Roy, you know what you should do in your neighborhood? Just tell people that your wife is your Shabbos goy. It'd be well, fun. Oh, Tom. Tom, Tom. Tom, yeah, Tom. I know you haven't read the book. That's okay. You're going to get there. But here's the thing. I haven't gotten That's it yet. The it's story. the only reason I haven't read it, because I, I, haven't, I, oh. haven't gotten, I haven't gotten my copy yet, oh. but I'm definitely going to oh, read I'm, your I'm, book. I'm, I'm steamed. I'm steamed. But that's It'll actually the funny part. That's a part of that whole story about cultural identity. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing. We were ostracized until one day we were walking down the street. It was a Saturday, so it was the, it was the Sabbath. And suddenly this woman stuck her head out of the house and yelled at us, Excuse me, she's talking to my wife, excuse me, you're not Jewish, right? And my wife is kind of taken aback, like, well, well, why are you asking, you know? And she said, well, no. And she said, come here. So she needed her to turn off her stove. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. And so I, I saw this as a great business opportunity. I thought we could, <laughs> we, we, we could put up flyers, you know, sure. the Shabbat Shiksa. I called her the Shabbat Shiksa. The Shabbat and, Shiksa would um, be perfect. Yeah, you know, and the point is, if, if God says no, she says yes. You know, that was kind of my, <laughs> my, my, my motto. But, but my wife is a, is a much better person than I am, and she felt that it was improper to try to cash in on, on, on people trying to observe uh, uh, God's laws. So we didn't, we didn't make it a business, but it became a thing that quite often well, there'd be funny. a knock at the door, and it would be some neighbor saying, you know, could you come over and uh, turn off the light? <laughs> 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 you know. <laughs> I think it. I, where I grew up, from the, from the Mississippi River to Lindale Avenue, was a Catholic neighborhood. Lindale right. to Penn Avenue was a black neighborhood, and west of Penn to the city limits was a Jewish neighborhood. So I grew up with everybody. It was wonderful. I went into Plitman's Deli one day and I ordered. When I'm then I'm a little kid. I grew up Catholic. Yeah. I go into Plitman's Deli, yeah. and I want a roast beef sandwich and a glass of milk. Huh. And the guy looks at me and goes, Fe, goya shanachis. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned all of that. You can't I, have the milk with the dairy. You cannot have the milk. You can't, you can't have it. I just love the fact, though, that I speak more Yiddish than any Jew in the entire state of Minnesota. Because of those guys. It's perfect, right? It was wonderful. <laughs> we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. Tom Bernard. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than 50% off his four pack special, which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first my pillow. If you already know how great the my pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. 
That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Oh, I like it. See, now this sounds to me like a Catholic church, Roy. I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, I do. Dire Straits, wonderful band. Roy Seacoff, ladies and gentlemen, lack self-control. True stories I waited until my parents died to tell. You know, this is one of the things about life that I love the most, is meeting people and you just immediately go, yeah, that, he's got it figured out. I like that he's got – he doesn't have to shove his ideas down your throat. He just tells stories. First of all, I love storytellers, love storytellers. Yes. It's my yes. favorite thing in the world, hearing people's stories. It's, it's right? fantastic. And if they're funny on top of it, that really – oh, by the way, Tevin Pittman, my black son, Mm-hmm. Wants to know what you said about Chevy Chase oh, at the yeah. funeral. Yeah, you left out the, <laughs> the line that got the uproar at the funeral. Yeah, well, it, it, at the time, uh, normally if I was, I would go, you have to read the book, and that'd be the piece. But sure. I'll tell you. Because so, so, I'm not a punch. So basically, <laughs> uh, the, the movie uh, Cops and Roberts, Robertsons, do you yeah, remember that yep, movie? Absolutely. It was, a, yep. it was a Chevy movie, and it, it had just come out like the week before. And he had gotten, you know, terrible reviews. It wasn't, it wasn't a well-regarded uh, Chevy vehicle. So uh, after he grabbed the unit, said nice balls, and walked out, and then I was frozen. <laughs> but right before he got to the door, I, I snapped back and I went, wow, uh, maybe Cops and Robertsons doesn't suck as much as I thought. Now, <laughs> if you think about it, I don't know if that even makes sense. It does but make sense, absolutely. It, it, was, it, it, it was the moment... It was the delivery, and it was, like I said, the power dynamic. And it was sort of, you know, David hitting Goliath right between the eyes with the, with the slingshot. And that's what I think allowed that release to be so um, enormous. I think it's wonderful. You know? It's pretty – now, had you known Chevy before that at all? No. So he grabbed your package <laughs> even though he didn't even know you. This is what I'm saying. That's now, real. That's what I'm saying. Tom, I, I need a little help from you because, you know, okay. you're obviously a, a media icon there. You've been there so many years and well, no, doing all this. Yeah. Now, don't you think there needs to be a little play for this thing? I mean, has Chevy Chase grabbing my ball? Oh, uh, I would. I absolutely. You know? I, I absolutely I mean, think you know, so. Brendan Fraser got a lot of ink for uh, some guy from the Golden Globes who you've never even heard of. Giving him a little little grab, right? Yeah, that's right. So I, I have a movie star grabbing my whole unit. It seems like that's worthy of uh, <laughs> so some bizarre. kind of hashtag. By the way, Roy, we have to get you on the morning show, too, the KQRS Morning Show. I've been on that show for 33 years, and you will sell a lot of books if we get you on that show. No doubt about it. I am there for you, Tom. I, I am would there for you. love Here's the thing. to have I'll, I'll give you a quick funny payoff. Um, eight years. <laughs> I think it was... I'm trying to think if it was eight years. No, it was more than eight years. More than eight years. Fourteen years uh, later, after that incident, I had occasion to find myself next to Chevy oh, God. again. Oh, God. 
things had changed a lot. By then, I was the founding editor of the Huffington Post. Huffington Post become sort of a big success. It was 2008. It was the Democratic Convention in Denver. Uh, we hosted a big event, and I was you know running around backstage doing all the stuff. I and I kind of finished up, and the caterer said, "Hey, if you want to grab a bite, there's a there's a seat open on table like 36 or something." Oh God. Right? So I, I go over and I get about one foot away from sitting down and I realize the empty seat is next to Chevy Chase. <laughs> and, you know, I start thinking of all these things. What should I do? Should I should I say, hey, you grabbed my ball 14 years ago? Or, <laughs> or should I spill some red wine in his lap? Well, maybe. Or should I turn to everybody at the table and go, hey, you want to hear something funny? This guy grabbed my ball. You know, I wasn't, yes. wasn't sure exactly what to do so i'll let you read the book that's the one thing i will leave as a tease is what i ended up doing when i was confronted with another chance to deal with mr chevy chase we will definitely read that soon and if i don't i'll just go and buy it that's fine i, can, I know how to navigate amazon i'm good so i will it's good it's a quick click you know it is. instant on the kindle or uh, they'll deliver it very quickly with the uh, if you have the prime two days no, I have to add, you know, I, I have the prime. Now, that was very Jewish, by the way, Roy, the prime. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, no oh, yeah. Um, Anytime you get to business, then you get, you know, you're, you're talking and you're just kind of normal. You say, that's very good. Is there a discount? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing it's how not you call it. It's wonderful. The old Jewish ladies, oh, God, they were wonderful. They were just oh. wonderful people. But oh, so, uh, a couple of things. Um I do want to tell you because, you know, we've already discussed, even though we didn't talk politics at all, but, you you know, again, you, you lean left. I, I do want to tell you one thing about Minnesota. Sure. And that would yeah. be, you know, Garrison Keillor's voice? Yes. Nobody from Anoka talks like that. So I don't know where the <laughs> hell he got that voice because that accent does not even exist in Minnesota. So I don't know where that happened. But I well, maybe let me ask you this though: Minnesota, though, fantastic. You know, we think of the Midwest in in the in the collective mind of the of the West and the East Coast. It's sort of you know Midwest, sort of certain kind of values. But in fact, mm -hmm. Minnesota, traditionally very progressive state, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, we had absolutely. Paul Wellstone. Yep. We had Al Franken. Yes, we had Jesse Ventura, but that was a little aberration. That was um, a little different. <laughs> So, you know, it's the same way. Everybody gets a little fevered by the celebrity, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger, let's make him governor. Yeah, yeah let's okay. make him governor. Uh, yeah. That worked out well. Um, so, so, so anyway, interestingly, you think of it as more conservative, but would you say that it's actually more progressive oh, in the state? Or? Well, it's split down the middle because the urban area, the Minneapolis-St. Paul, uh, right. I would say draw about a 60-mile path encircle Minneapolis-St. Paul with that 60 miles all the way around. That's very liberal. And then outside of that, it's very conservative. So right. it's, it's, you know, you get a little bit of each. So I, I Tom, that's the whole country. You know, we have this yeah, myth yeah, of the true. red state, blue state. You know, it's, it's, not, it's, a, it's such a myth because if you go to most urban areas or if you go to most areas around um, cities or, or educational centers, you know, places where colleges are, they tend to be more progressive, more liberal, yeah, and outside yeah. of that, more rural. It tends to be more conservative. I mean, so it's it's not like oh, that state, everybody, you know, marching in lockstep. No, you know, that, that doesn't exist anymore, does it? Yeah, yeah. That does, yeah. That that <laughs> whole deal does not does not even exist. It's just uh, yeah. I, so, Roy, do you ever spend any time in Miami? You get back to Miami at all? 
Yeah, you know, I used to go back quite frequently when my parents were still alive before they, mm-hmm. they died and allowed me to write these stories. But, yeah, yeah um, right. I used to go back quite a bit. Uh, my brother still lives there. My dad owned a bookstore, oh. and he ran uh, a textbook store for 60 years. And um, my younger brother has now taken that over. It's still, it still exists. It's still open. And so I go back and visit him, and I love the city. Many of my best friends are there. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I just went back for my uh, 40-year high school reunion. Oh, God. And, yeah. uh, and that was in Miami. It was actually supposed to be in September, but great planning, guys. That's right when the hurricane hit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, not uh, good. And so it had hit that day, so they canceled it, and we ended up going just now in April. And so I went back for that and was back in Miami. There's something – have you been there much, Tom? Yeah, I, actually, we, the family, Andy, who's with us, uh, my wife, Catherine, and our daughter, right. Alex, we yeah. spend a lot of time in uh, in West Palm Beach, Palm Beach, in the uh, in the winter. So that's why I was wondering, oh, yeah. if you're in town, I could take you to dinner at the Breakers. It would be phenomenal. We'll figure it out. I will we'll coordinate, Tom, because I'll come down there. I do come down there a lot. I'm trying to figure out, there's a lot of people down there trying to do an event so I could come sure. and do a signing with the book, and there's, you know, there's... There was a nice story in the Miami Herald the other day. Very nice. Uh, you know, local boy writes book. Yeah, well, yeah, their local boy writes book. It's a wonderful thing. I, it, you know, they, yeah. they have a thing down in Palm Beach called the Shiny Sheet, which is hilarious. It's all these socialite news. And you read yeah. this stuff, it's the most ridiculous. Oh, so your mother and father had tons and tons of money, so therefore you're a genius. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Well, don't you find the opposite, Tom? Yes. Don't you find yes, I do. That the most troubled and troubling and like lost people of anything is the second or third generation of wealth. Oh, no you question. Know? No question. There's no you doubt. Know, the about father it. or the mother created something they built something you know they they, they had the drive they had the thing. and then the the younger people and i'm not being political i pick out any name right. but if you want to look at uh you know eric and don jr not exactly the shining examples of uh of, of what you would want in the next generation i think no, well I they've done studies that say i think something like 90 percent of the wealth is gone after three generations like no Ooh, matter what almost almost always that's just how it Pans out. And what percentage would you say went to cocaine and uh, and prostitutes? (laughs) I'm sure that's a lot of it, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Of the 90, it's probably about 60%. 60% of the 90. Oh, yeah, I'm sure the child of a billionaire is going to blow almost all the money, because they can. That'd be fun, though. Man, that'd be fun. So, right, here's the deal. That's why when you... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we got to we, we gotta get you booked on the KQ Morning Show because we do we sell a lot of books, a lot of uh, off of that show, definitely. So I definitely want to have you on that, and then I'll uh, have somebody shoot you my my cell phone number. But I do I would Perfect. love to sit down with you and just talk about why it is your parents did a great job with you. Do you know that? I do. They were, you know, yeah. yesterday was Father's yep. Day, yep. and you know, uh, I mean, I'm a dad. I have two kids, and it was a wonderful day for me because I actually think here I'll go. I'll be sappy again. Great, Roy, sell the book. But uh, uh, <laughs> actually, it's the it's the best thing that I do. It's the thing that I'm proudest about, yep. and it's actually reason, Tom. That's the reason why I left No Post. Um, and I don't want to go into the whole the long thing about it, but mm-hmm. the last four years that I was there, I was running our live streaming. Uh, network called HuffPost Live. Yeah, yep. and uh, our main office. I mean, our main studio is in New York. And you know, we could do a lot of virtual stuff when it was just print. But when you're doing live programming, 
I needed to be there, right? Yeah, so I ended yep, up yep. commuting. Oh, I ended up commuting God. weekly oh. from L.A. to New York. I'd fly on Monday, and I'd work all week, and I'd fly back on Friday, spend two days with my family, and then, you know, come back. And I figured I was going to do that for a year until I got it started. Mm-hmm. It turned into four years. You know, and after four years, it was kind of nuts, and I was sick yeah. of airports. Yep. And I had a, and I do have, I have a beautiful daughter who had two more years at that point of, uh, of high school left. And I said, you know what? I can't miss this. You yep. know, this is because I have a son who's older. And when he went to college, it was kind of like, bye bye. We don't see much of him. You yeah. Know? yeah. So I didn't I didn't want to have that two years fly by. And that's really why I ended up um, leaving because I wanted to be. I wanted to be around for that. Oh, oh sorry, I, I went off on a tangent. But no, that, that's yeah, a good tangent. It made though. me think not only being a dad, it made me think of being a son yep. uh, to my father, who was, he's, he's a big part of this book, Tom. You'll yeah, see in many yeah. ways. He's, he's in the stories a lot, and the imprint uh, for my personal imprint that I gave it is called Big A Books. And his nickname was Big A. His name was Arthur, and they called him Big A because he had a big personality. And, uh, you know, he was the fount of all things. And I really feel blessed, Tom. I mean, I don't know, you know, our ages or wherever we kind of sit up. But my dad was a child of the Depression, mm-hmm. and he learned a work ethic. and He never stopped that. And I think if he had had the same opportunities that I had had, if he'd been, you know, his own son, he would have wanted to be a writer. He would have wanted to do something creative, but because he had that sort of sense of responsibility, yep. you know, he went into work every day. I mean, the real heroes, the real heroes, yeah. the guys who get up every day, never complain, work all day, work their butts off, come home so that my life could be better and I could have the chance to take a dream and go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be a writer, you know? Yep. And so, so that's, that's sort of, that's sort of uh, my take on that and why that sort of resonated for me is they did a good job. And by the way, I don't want to short shift my mother. No, she was no. Quite no. a character, you know. She was a quick, she was a character uh, times 10. <laughs> she, there's a lot of stories in the book also about her and her her idiosyncrasies. Let's put it that way. Oh, my mother, um, my mother had anyway, the same yeah, thing. They, yeah. They, yeah, go ahead. No, we have got my, Amy, by the way. Oh, Amy's going to join it. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, we have about 1 minute to go. And I, Amy, you want to say hello to Roy Seekoff because you, you guys would probably get along very, very well, I would think. We're just talking about... Hi, Amy. How are you? We're just talking about the fact that Roy, Roy's um, parents, you can really tell, Roy, and, and I'll close with that, um, you sometimes sound like your father and sometimes you sound like your mother, and I've never met you or your parents, but I can tell <laughs> because it's the same situation with me. I mean, you can tell, yep. and people say to me, oh, my God, you sound just like your mother now. I mean, it's true. Yep. It's absolutely true. But and I've reached that age, Tom. I know we're ending, and I'll just end it with this. I've reached that age now where, you know, I look at pictures of my dad when I would think, oh, that was him in his prime, and he was kind of old. Mm-hmm. I'm like 10 years older than that. You oh, yeah. I mean? oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, there's this great picture of him, and I, and I always think, oh, he was old. He was a grown-up. I still don't think of myself necessarily that much of a grown-up. But I look at this great picture I have of him behind the bar in the late 60s, pouring a drink at a party with a cigarette in his hand and, you know, like real grown up with a suit and the tie. And I think, oh, my God, he was a real man. And then I go, yeah, but I'm 10 years older than that. Well, you'll get there someday. Oh, my. Yeah. 
All right, one we'll, day, we'll one get day you... time. But maybe I can keep the childishness along yes. with the... Yes, well, that's an important uh, part. Uh, along with the, the maturity. Roy Seekoff, it's S-E-K-O-F-F. The book is called Lack Self-Control, True Stories I Waited Until My Parents Died to Tell. Roy, uh, I will talk to you on the morning show, and then we'll stay in touch. I am very, very impressed with the job your parents did. You're a hell of a guy. Uh, thanks, man. I'm touched by that. I'm touched by that. It's, Thank it's you so much. Thank you. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. And now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth, just like me, at their free informational dinner on Monday, July 23rd at 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really fast. I've lost over 65 pounds at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth after being educated on clean eating, finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that our weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutramost weight loss plan is so easy, and they guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Call now to register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on July 23rd. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget, we're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. I got to tell you, it's one thing about being in this business that you get surprised once in a while. Uh, you just connect with guests, and I think it's wonderful. Amy Artuso with us. How are you doing, Amy? Hi, good. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure to have you. Well, I mean, the subject is is, is very, very serious. Um, I don't know if it's a coincidence, Amy, or not, but the last two days in Minneapolis-St. Paul, it got up to 100 degrees or very near 100 degrees. The topic of discussion with Amy Artuso, it should never happen. 37 kids die in hot cars each year. How does that even happen? Well, um, sadly... We know that there's three primary circumstances where these, these situations end up resulting. The one we most commonly hear about, I think, is children unknowingly being left or forgotten in the back seat. But what I think people don't realize is that's about half of the cases. The rest are coming from children gaining access to unlocked vehicles oh, yeah. and parents knowingly leaving kids in, in cars. Oh. Because I think they don't, not with the intent to harm, but because they don't understand how quickly the temperature inside parked vehicles increases to dangerous levels. Ten minutes, huh? On average, um, in the first ten minutes, the inside of a parked car will increase by 19 degrees. So 
whether it's 72 degrees out or 96 degrees, there's consistent heating patterns. And the American Academy of Pediatrics has said even when the temperature is in the mid-50s, heat stroke in children can happen. Their bodies don't regulate temperature as well as adults, and they heat up three to five times faster. No, Amy, during the break there, we knew you were going to come on, so we are discussing it a little bit. And and Cassie and Andy uh, were asking, why isn't there some kind of technology that could tell you there is a child in, in need of your assistance? I mean, we, we, have, uh, we have cars that can apply their own brakes when they're too close to the car in front of them. Isn't there mm-hmm. something they could invent that would uh, maybe it would sense the heat from the child's body as extra heat or something? There's got to be some just way. Or just like well, a scale. Is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So there's different there's different types of technology out there. Um, you know, many people are trying to address this subject with inventions, but right now there's a, well, there's one thing for people to know is there's a difference between an alert or reminder system and a detection system. So right, I think you're asking right. about something that would actually detect the yes. child in the backseat. Yes. Right now there are alert systems. Some come in vehicles um with that uh, like a message on the dashboard just saying check the back seat and some car seats even have technology you can connect it with your vehicle and it will make like chime sounds to serve as a reminder there is a federal legislation proposed the hot cars act um that would require it's asking the um dot to require vehicle manufacturers to put this technology in vehicles i still think that's alert systems, reminder systems, and not detection. Mm-hmm. But um, we need people to remember that we're concerned there could be a false sense of security even with that. I don't disagree that it's a layer of protection and it could help. But what we really need is people to put reminders in place and create habits so that they're always checking the back seat when you reach a destination. Even if you know you didn't transport your child Go ahead and put make it part of your habit or your routine. Unfortunately, a lot of parents who have found themselves in these situations say they never thought it would happen to them. Yeah. A lot of times they're outside of their regular routines, and they say they were just on autopilot. So it's it's creating that habit and just always checking that back seat. And we tell people, try and remember to look before you lock. Always look, and then always lock your vehicle mm-hmm. so that children can't gain access when you're not there. It's really interesting because, uh, you know, Andy is on the show here. Uh, he's 31 years old. Our daughter is 29 years old. And, you know, I'm not judging anyone else or, you know, calling calling on people to wake up or whatever. But I can't even mm-hmm. imagine leaving a child in a car. Now, I, as you just said, you never thought that they never thought it would happen to them either. I just don't understand how you can leave a child in a car and not know that child's there. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I'm, I can tell you from talking to parents who've been in this situation, they agree with you. Yeah, they, that, yeah. they struggle with that for the rest of their lives. Oh, how could I let this happen? Yeah, I, I mean, and it just—it has to do with how the brain processes information. Well, see that? No, that makes sense. I, this is off topic a bit, but the same agony. Um, I have a friend who hopped out of her car to run in the house and grab something very quickly. She was in a big hurry. She hopped back in the car and backed out of the driveway, ran over her own child, and killed him. And oh. she's in agony every day. It's, it's been years now, 
But she did not know that her four-year-old got out of the car seat, got out of the car, and was behind the car, and she ran him right over. It's just terrible. Terrible. But I I'll suppose- tell you, I have, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I have four children, and they're between 8 and 12. They are aware that they're not supposed to stay in vehicles, um, oh, but we're still vigilant. It's Things happen, and... I stay by that car. It's part of our routine. I make sure every single one of them gets out. And anyone that's whose care they're going to be in, we have a conversation. They're not allowed to stay in a vehicle unattended. Because to your point, th- those are called backovers, what happens with your friends. Yeah, yep. There's a whole host of other risks of leaving children unattended in vehicles. But, of course, it's summer, and we're trying to – sadly, a 13th child just died – and there's, I believe, at least four more cases that are pending. So when you say, on average, 37 children die each year, unfortunately, the last two years, that number has been higher. We're in mid-June, and we already have 13 confirmed deaths for 2018. And all of these deaths are preventable. Yeah, they are. There, there's no doubt. It has been a bizarre um weather pattern for the last 90 days look across the united states by the way like today i looked mm-hmm. across the northern half of the united states of america there are storms everywhere along the uh, you know the border from canada down as far as probably you know southern iowa down to maybe virginia uh, there are storms everywhere and there's also mm-hmm. minnesota does not get up to 100 degrees in june very often but there were two days in a row, and I, I just – do you think some places – you live some places where you just don't get – but I was going to say you don't get that kind well, of heat, but, but you said it doesn't take that kind of heat anyway. It doesn't, and, you know, Minnesota is not one – Minnesota has seen these deaths. Um, there's only three states right now that hasn't had really? um, a vehicular heat stroke death, and it, we do. We want people to know it can happen anywhere. It's not just warm-weather states. It's yeah. what's considered cold-weather states. I believe there has been one death in Canada already this year, although I'm not as well-versed on their numbers. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's, that's where we say people need to understand there are consistent heating patterns in a parked vehicle. It's how the sun interacts with the vehicle windows and not about what the temperature outside is. Even cracking windows open. There were studies where they cracked the window open an inch and a half and found that doesn't change. Yeah. It doesn't make a significant difference in how hot the inside of the car gets. So uh, the work you're doing is wonderful, by the way. I, I, I need to point out that Amy Artuso is a senior program manager of advocacy at the National Safety Council, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to eliminate preventable deaths at work, in homes and communities, and on the road. Wonderful. Uh, I just, how do you Thank do you. it? I mean, seriously, how do you do it, though? It's a very sad job, I would assume. Rewarding, well, but, you I, know. I appreciate what you're saying, but... Yeah. Again, our goal is to eliminate preventable deaths, and we do believe, especially on this topic, that one child is too many and that all of the deaths are preventable. And that's one of the reasons we did this report, because when you, it's easier to eliminate preventable deaths when you have good data and you have a better understanding of the trends and patterns. And like I said, I'm a mom too, and this is where we have to keep our focus. It's happening. What can we do to make it stop? Because one child is too many. Is there are there any reading materials that they could get from uh, the National Safety Council? People just maybe maybe having that in in your car, sitting uh, there in the center console, 
uh, is there any uh, any reading material at all on how to uh, yes. how to avoid this? See, I we think, just yeah. yes, we just released a new report um, on June sixth, and you can p- people can go to nsc.org slash heatstroke to download a free copy. And there's it, it goes through what is heat stroke, how does this happen in cars? There is a story from one dad who shares his experience. Um, case in point, his daughter had a doctor's appointment one morning, and he went to work. He was on autopilot. She had fallen asleep in the back seat. Oh, um, it talks about technology, all, all different kinds of, and it breaks down the laws in in the different states and what those laws include to help try and combat this issue. Yeah, I just think having having a pamphlet or or something like that that people could prop up right there in their center console. Uh, so maybe that well, would help. I don't know. We recommend you can even put your left shoe in the back seat. You're not going to go very far when you get to your destination yeah, if you, w- without a yeah. shoe. You know, and at the National Safety Council, we're not we don't support distracted driving. So we encourage people to put their cell phones in the back seat. Mm-hmm. You can put a stuffed animal on the front seat that you put in the car seat when you don't have your child in there. Mm-hmm. And then if the stuffed yeah. animal is in the front seat, that should serve as a reminder. Anything that would make you look in that back seat when you get to your destination. I appreciate all the hard work that people like you do because, I, as I said, emotionally it's it's got to be a tough job, but it's got to be very rewarding as as well because I suppose there's no way to tell how many children's lives may have been saved because of the National Safety Council. So there is the that huge upside to it, but it takes a very strong person with a with a yeah just a great attitude, a person like you to to do this kind of thing, and I I really do appreciate it. I. I Amy, I tell you, I don't know what I would do. And again, I I could have done it. I'm a human being. I don't know how I would have lived having known that that I, you know, just I forgot. I just didn't remember it. Like you said, you you do, you get on autopilot, and that's all there is to it. And in talking to the parents that have experienced this, they they are. They're just completely broken. And as the one dad in our report, he just... He made it his mission. He didn't want it to be for nothing. You know, he he in he made a promise to his daughter if he could do anything to prevent even one more family from living through this nightmare. Um, he, he there's a lot of criticism, but he still puts himself out there to help raise awareness that it really can happen to anybody. And that's what we're doing. There's a, there are several agencies in the U.S. addressing this topic, and we all work together. And we will continue to do this until this number reaches zero and remains at zero. You know, Amy, I, I uh, do a lot of PSAs. Uh, the Jacob Wetterling situation here in Minnesota, I, I did a lot of public service announcements about, you know, watching people around your children and all the rest of it. But I, I did one for huffing. You know what huffing is? Huffing? Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I did a PSA, a bunch of PSAs. And one of the fathers, what you were just talking about, reminded me of it. Uh, he wanted to. He, he was in agony, but he wanted to get out there. His his young teenage son was huffing and he died. But he want, He was in agony, but he wanted to put himself out there and, and help any way he possibly could. So we did a few PSAs together, he and I. And then mm-hmm. I saw I saw mm-hmm. him about two years later. I, a full two years later, I saw him. I ran into him on the street, and I said, "How are you doing?" And he said, "How do you think I'm doing?" It's just very mm-hmm. very sad. Very sad, but uh, because yeah, a lot of times I think um, 
people in his situation, they won't even answer that question. Yeah, probably. Because it doesn't go away. You Mm. learn to live with the situation, but the pain doesn't really go away. I could see And I want to thank you, too, because those efforts, whether it's on the subject of huffing or kids in hot cars, Mm -hmm. sharing this information and helping to raise awareness, providing that education, you're part of the solution, too. Well, it's very nice of you to say. I, I'm very proud of, of all that work, and I was very happy they invited me to do it. It's, um, yeah, it was very special to me. So people can reach out to nsc.org uh, for more information. Is that right? Yes, nsc.org slash heatstroke. Slash heatstroke, okay. And heatstroke, and then they can download a free copy of the report, but there's yep. live links to additional resources and more information. Amy, you're an angel. Thank you for your work. I really, really mean that. That's amazing. Thank, thank you. We appreciate, again, you helping to spread the information. We'll keep doing it. Absolutely. Check in once in a while. We'd love to hear from you. And hopefully uh, it'll be well under 37 uh, by the end of this year. That'd I hope wonderful. so. Thank you, Amy. I hope so. Thank you. Have a great day. Amy Artuso, the you National too. Safety Council. Yeah, I, man, can you you walk back out to your car and your kid's in there dead? Good well, God. To me, yeah. it just seems like a simple solution. Does, when you yeah. get in your car and your passenger doesn't buckle their seatbelt or you don't, yeah. what happens? No, that's true. You're you get right, an right. alert saying your seatbelt isn't yep. buckled. All they have to do is reverse that as well. So when you shut your ignition off, if there's a seatbelt that is still buckled, yeah. it'll alert you saying that's there's somebody idea. else mm-hmm. in the car because... Like Especially with little babies in the carrier seats, mm-hmm. their base, their the base for it is always buckled in. Right. Yep. So it'll always alert you yep. once your ignition yeah. is off, you know, passenger back seat. That's all it's mm-hmm. got to say. And then, yeah, it's when, oh, okay, the that baby's be, in I, here. It seems, that seems very doable. Whether the baby's in there or not, right. at least you'll right. get to know that yeah. alert to look back just in case. Excellent. Thank you very much. They can, they can change the when you lock your car. And then instead of going like, chirp, chirp, it can be like, hey, there's somebody somebody behind. I want to do that voice. (laughs) Hey, your kids in the (laughs) backseat. That'd be phenomenal. (laughs) Thanks for listening today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.